Welcome to the Vulgar Tours, where we examine the filmographies of genre filmmakers. We are in the depths of our examination of the films of Mel Brooks, and this week we are discussing Young Frankenstein, or as I say it, Young Frankenstein. It's pronounced Frankenstein. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. And I'm Terry. So this this is a back-to-back Mel Brooks movie. Bla- Blazing Saddles was released in February of 1974. This came out in December of 1974. It actually started filming in 1973. Um, famously, Gene Wilder talked about this project with Brooks while they were shooting Blazing Saddles. Um, and uh, Gene Wilder's agent actually wanted him to uh, use two clients in the project, uh, two of his clients, uh, Peter Boyle and Marty Feldman, which is how they got kind of um, introduced into the mix. And uh, interestingly, uh, Gene Wilder was working with uh, Michael Gruskoff, who wanted uh, Mel Brooks to um, be attached to the project so that they would kind of sweeten the deal to sell it to Columbia Pictures. And this was after um, Brooks had finished shooting uh, Blazing Saddles and was reluctant to kind of work on something um, that wasn't just based on his own material because the, uh, you know, Blazing Saddles was more of a collaborative process with, you know, several several mm-hmm. other writers. Um, but he was kind of uh, coerced into doing this um, because, uh, you know, he started developing a fourth draft, I believe, with Gene Wilder. Um, and they rewrote a bunch of things and he became... Uh, much more enamored in it and he was much more part of the process and I think that it also was interesting because it was uh, you know uh, during Young Frankenstein uh, he was giving the shooting of Young Frankenstein I should say Mel Brooks was giving uh, Gene Wilder a bunch of like tips on directing and kind of becoming this mentor figure um, uh, during the shooting of this but um Columbia Pictures, uh, the chairman at the time didn't really get Brooks, so didn't want to do the picture unless it, the budget was reduced uh, to two million, which the budget of the this movie was a little less than three million dollars, um, and they were just like, no, that's that's not going to work out. So they mm-hmm. sent the script to Twentieth Century Fox, Fox, Twentieth Century Fox, who practically overnight made the deal and made it uh, made it happen. Um, which is is pretty rad. Um, that that's that doesn't come with some baggage that came from it as well. Um, this movie is basically uh, Gene Wilder's interpretation of what if there was an heir to uh, Beaufort, what von Frankenstein's uh, estate, and he's you know great grandson or grandson mm-hmm. in the states who moves to Transylvania to like look after what would happen you know if he discovered you know that he was the heir to the frankenstein 
uh, you know, castle and stuff. And so they wanted to kind of use that as a vehicle for, you know, creating a tribute to the 1931 classic uh, Frankenstein by James Whale, uh, one of the original, you know, Universal movie monsters. I think it was 1931. I think it's somewhere in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's very early. And, and that being said, they wanted to shoot in black and white uh, as a tr- as both a tribute to James Whale and to recapture the look of that era. Mm-hmm. But um, ultimately, uh, Columbia didn't want to pursue that at all. And, and it, was, it was stated that it was Brooks being kind of uh, demanding and, and artsy-fartsy because they wanted to shoot it in black and white. And including uh, Gerald Hirschfeld, uh, the cinematographer, wanted it shot in black and white as well, or wanted it shot in color and then to convert it to black and white. And Brooks uh, was really kind of against it because he figured in this time period in the 70s, they they weren't shooting movies in black and white. They were shooting it in color. It was kind Mm -hmm. of like the new era, uh, similar to when they stopped shooting talkies. And that would kind of be... Damn, they stopped shooting talkies? Well, that would be... Or uh, uh, (laughs) when they started shooting talkies. (laughs) But uh, that would be the interesting part of Silent Movie, which is coming up as well, because that would be him kind of going at the fact that they don't make, you know, silent pictures anymore. So it was kind of uh, interesting to to think of that. But Brooks was... uh, He was suspicious because he figured that if they shot it in color and then converted it to black and white for one it wouldn't look as good um and then for and then for two um he figured that uh the studio 20th century may very well just fuck it and release it in color exactly and that's and that creates so many other problems because if like for instance peter boyle's makeup was similar to boris karloff so it's it's like a lighter green um, if you notice in the movie, like everyone is making or is painted in makeup yeah. because mm-hmm. they're they're the 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 style of uh, James Whale's picture in particular is super uh, expressionistic. It's super. You're relying on key filmmaking techniques of lighting and the 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 black and white stock of of being able to, to capture those images. So I'm I'm so happy that it was in black and white. I think. It also just creates further uh, an interesting part of the entertainment industry that would that would be explored later with you know Spike Lee's films and Kevin Smith's Clerks and then well, you even, know, uh, the Coen Brothers. Isn't you know. this the same year as Last Picture Show? And I know that yeah. was a struggle because that was black and white in this era, and it was a huge fight uh, for them yeah. as well. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me. So, but yeah. I, I mean, I will say though, like what I really liked about Young Frankenstein is that it, while it was it was shot in black and white, it was also shot like a black and white movie. That's a the lot production. Of, yeah, exactly. Elements are so oh, yeah. crucial to it working. Well, and and like it it feels like a movie from the like era that Whale made Frankenstein. Like and, and like so, I feel like uh, comparatively to like uh, uh, Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles is all about jokes. Uh, Young Frankenstein, I feel like, is way more about the homage, uh, and it's not nearly as funny mm-hmm. for that reason. But it's it's a really solid film on those merits, as far as like 
Like, it doesn't do the parody as hard, but it does everything else really well. But it's also, like, affectionate uh, parody. Yes. Like, there's mm-hmm. the great, the great like, train sequence where there's all this smoke. And how many, like, movies of the, yeah. this period have you seen where there's all sorts of, like, steam coming off the trains and they're just talking, like, whatever, and uh, Madeline Kahn's, like, coughing. And then there's, yeah. like, the, a quick moment when he does show up to Transylvania where there's just, he's engulfed in fog, like, in a ridiculous amount that's, like, it's not... It's there's a clear love of the material and really like Gene Wilder. This seems to be the passion project. Like he loved the original that he wanted to make a tribute to mm-hmm. it as much as like poking fun at like the silly things that you could do within this you know concept. Yeah, and I feel that like I don't remember the James Well Frankenstein movie very well. I've seen the first two of that era, but I was like nineteen. Um, and so Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein kind of blend together. And one of the only parts mm-hmm. I remember is the Frankenstein with the little girl playing yeah. with flowers. And yeah. uh, the homage there ends with a pretty great punchline that uh, I really enjoyed. But like overall, I mean, part of it is they actually got to use the original sets, which, which is dope. fucking incredible. Yeah. But uh like every level of the production design and the cinematography and editing lends itself to this being just such a great homage. Like I love the little Iris in and Iris outs that it does. Yeah. Uh, and the like weird wipes that you yeah. really never see anymore. No, that was really fun. But then they, they also have like the zoom ins mm-hmm. for like Marty Feldman's character. Like when he's like uh, committing to a joke or it's like the, you know, breaking the fourth wall thing but to the you know to the nth degree and and it is worth saying too that the lab equipment was provided or in the like uh actual frankenstein like it's alive moments were all from the original movies that were were uh lent to the production by ken strickfod and and apparently he wasn't credited in james wales version for all of those materials so Mm -hmm. they were able to credit him here which is really awesome and interestingly too um, some of the movie was shot at it was shot over 54 days um, some of it was at MGM Studios where they actually built a castle set that was 15,000 square feet and parts of it were 35 wow. feet high That's like a, that, they built an, an actual castle it, it, it cost an estimated $350,000 which is substantial <laughs> on the budget no kidding. Um, but, but, but that also you have to think that most of the movie does take place within these interiors yeah. that they could totally use that for everything. And mm-hmm. it creates like the uh, foyer or like next to the fireplace reminds me of the like Citizen Kane level uh, just blocking and having this all this space that you see your characters in really makes the world completely believable. It's not just a facade like in Blazing Saddles. No, like, like it really well, but looks. Like, it functions great. as like a proper horror film, in my opinion. Like as opposed mm. to like yes, there are parody elements like in in particular like in various uh, like uh, technical aspects where like some of the like shots that that like you know we mentioned are very similar to like classic film. It's like the shot will linger a little too long, like, mm. and that's like part mm. of the joke. But even in spite of those things, like, it is a proper horror movie, and like, I I'm not confident of this because I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure they throw around some quotes from the book as well in a certain mm. uh, a couple of different instances. Like, I was pretty sure having read that book a couple times in high school and college 
that those were quotes from the book. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, there's like, there's, cause there's that famous scene in the original, right? Where, uh, Frankenstein throws the kid into the pond and they drown. And then like, like, I think it was cut from various versions because it was like really provocative, obviously, which is sort of Whale's point. Um, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you mentioned the scene with the flowers and, and the monster and like the scene where like, like Peter Boyle looks directly at the screen and it's like, you know, I didn't throw her in the pond. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I, I like yeah. it's those little moments like it's not it's not blazing saddles and it's not meant to be blazing saddles and i like it for that reason yeah he it's uh brooks said about the screenplay uh that him and, and wilder fashion that in many ways uh quote in many ways we've gone back to the original thinking of mary shelley if not uh her original story uh and and he basically speaks to womb envy uh and that you know uh here's the scientist saying uh you know all right, I can make a baby and, you know, women have had the ability to create life since the beginning of time that it plays into that a little bit. But um, uh, part of what he was going for here as well was that he was wanting to kind of under uh, quote underneath the comedy in Frankenstein, the doctor is undertaking the quest to defeat death, to challenge God. Our monster lives. Therefore he wants love too. He's really very touching in his lonely misery End quote. However, there's also the problematic uh kidnapping of madeline Kahn. yeah yeah uh, that, that, that i did not remember when i was a kid and that no. was sort of off-putting beyond like dude that was like was, a straw dogs level rape scene it was like weird but that and, was, and it's like everything yeah. is made better by the fact that that he has a huge dick which is like also really weird well yeah. that's that's kind of why i was wondering if it was a straw dogs reference because that's a few years before and it got in a lot of hot water for having a rape scene where it felt like the woman got too into it. Yeah. And do you think Brooks would be making like Peckinpah references though? I mean, a dude literally just made blazing saddles. Blazing saddles. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, same I'm year. sure. I mean, so fair enough. I don't know. That just seems just like, seems that's, like that's edgy for Brooks in my opinion. Like not that people wouldn't want to do that. But like, I mean, it's I either that it's like, or it's he... like bad comedy, though, where like the woman is like, oh, you got a big schwanz? Like, OK, let's let's this is cool. Like it's it's like a relic of of an, a bygone era because it I don't it doesn't seem to me like there I don't it doesn't seem to me like it's supposed to be rapey in the context when it was shot versus now where we recognize it correctly as what it is like something problematic, mm-hmm. something sexually traumatic. But at the time, I think it was supposed to be a joke, mostly a gag. S- I mean, seventies movies were just super rapey. Like well, Animal House, exactly has that yeah. whole fucking uh, devil angel deal. Yeah, you yeah. Know, just fucker. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck her, fuck her brains out. Exactly right. Yeah. Like, that's that's what we're dealing with here. Well, and and it seems to like only like set up the joke that would come later, like, oh, sweet mystery of life, thank God I found you, which mm-hmm. is, like, cute in its own right and is then revisited with Inga or whatever. Yeah, when, when you're like, like, what did you get from but the it's, monster? It's, it's, like, also the big spots. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just, like, it's so weird. And, again, this kind of is a thorough line with Mel Brooks's movie so far again, unfortunately, is, like, the way that uh, women characters are... Uh, portrayed yeah you have inga who's the lab assistant so instead of which you could do totally like anything with that character but of course Mm -hmm. she has to be this big-breasted woman who has like you know her boobs out and is just meant to be the comedic fodder for like 
oh, she's doing a funny... She's introduced literally rolling in the hay. Yeah. Yeah, in, which is in the way she's singing. You want to roll in the hay? What was that? Oh, that'll be Inga. Herr Falkstein thought you might need a laboratory assistant temporarily. Oh. Oh. Hello. Would you like to have a roll in the hay? It's fun. Roll, roll, roll in the hay. But I will say though that I appreciate that that Terry Gar's Inga like has some agency because for like the whole movie, uh, Gene Wilder is like consumed with his like scientific passion that he's just like the sexless doctor and she keeps trying to seduce him. So like I'll give Brooks credit for that for making her have like like actual agency in that relationship. Like it's not that Gene Wilder seduces her. It takes her like the entire film before they end up together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's framed too, that he's obviously not happy with Madeline Kahn's character. Yeah. Like I yeah. love the, like, uh, they have some great scenes together, both, uh, in, you know, at home before they leave with the like, Oh, a kiss. Oh, not on the lips. Not on the lips, right? Tap yeah, the yeah. Darling. Don't, don't touch the, the hair. Yeah. And then they just do elbow bumps. Yeah. yeah dude. And, then, and then later, like one of my all time favorite, like Gene Wilder is so funny. His like, they're going to kiss in the bedroom and she's like, no tongue. And you see that his tongue is out. <laughs> yeah. And then he just puts it back in his mouth and he doesn't speak it with any tongue. The rest of the scene, like as he's moving out, and it's just the I funniest. I did not, movie. Pick up that joke. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I noticed the tongue like, because it was really funny. Like I saw the tongue out, but I didn't realize he was keeping his tongue in as he spoke for the rest of that scene. <laughs> uh, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, there's just like I don't know. There, there's all sorts of fun to that, and and you know, Madeline Kahn is so uh, fantastic. Oh, she's I mean, great. Um, yeah. But so, did you guys grow up watching this uh, no. as well? Or? This is the okay. first time I've ever seen Young Frankenstein. I, I've wow. seen clips once or twice, but this is the first time I've ever watched it all the way through. I also watched this around the time I watched the original, um, and I don't know that I even finished it. I remembered really being bummed out because this is a very different kind of movie than like Blazing Saddles yep. and mm. Spaceballs, uh, and it's not as funny like i think the Mm -hmm. it's a good movie and it's like brilliantly done i mean i don't think this one's supposed to be as funny though like yeah i mean i that may not be the intent but you know as a teenager i was like sure this is disappointing well but it's like we were talking about like the jokes per minute quota like yeah blazing saddles has that Uh, some of the other ones like high anxiety kind of do as well uh, but like this one, conspicuously, I, it reminds me more of Twelve Chairs, but it's a better mm-hmm. film than Twelve Chairs. Oh, what's so much better? What's interesting is that originally the movie was twice as long, and they edited it about several times to cut out jokes. They had the the Jason ratio, which was for every three jokes, only one worked. And so, like, I just wonder what they cut out, and like how much of it was more of just like clever Oma like you have the like a oh, walk this way joke which is such a funny bit that i think was a, a a famous like bit like in comedy in general and that i think is used again by brooks but according to wikipedia uh which i think wikipedia needs to check their sources on this one but <laughs> when i was doing my research they claimed Wait, your research that, on wikipedia uh i 
I use it like I learned to do on college. I know, I know. Yeah, who answers clothes? I'm just giving you theories. Yeah. (laughs) You check for the sources cited on Wikipedia and you click those. But I was maybe rushing today and I maybe didn't click on the source for this one. Uh, But Wikipedia claims that Aerosmith uh, walked this way as an homage to young Frankenstein. No way. Which... That's on Wikipedia. Uh, but Marty doesn't say talk this, or I guess later he's talking like that wolf or their, their wolf, wolf, their castle. <laughs> that, that's I mean, one of the funniest bits in the yeah, whole that's film. Ri- that's Dude. that's ri- that's ridiculous. I, the Aerosmith, I could it's it's dumb enough that I could see it. You know, I feel like there's so much. I feel like this. Aerosmith is a dumb enough band. Oh my god! That. Yeah. It's they really possible. are. Oh, d- d- dream on, okay. Dude, no, have, you, have you guys ever been to the arcade and seen that like Aerosmith like shooting game? Have you ever seen that game? Yeah, no, oh, I've played yeah. it. It's it's got like two little like uh, Uzi like plastic guns mm-hmm. hooked up to the cabinet, and then it like plays Aerosmith songs, and Gene Wilder's like, yeah, shoot that guy, like, what? dude, it's that's yeah, that's crazy. It's it's wild. <laughs> Wait, that was Gene Wilder? First, excuse me, uh, uh, Steven Tyler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I got young Frankenstein in the brain. <laughs> Gene Wilder, like, guessed, uh, you know, before Run DMC, it was really going to be uh, Gene Wilder in the remix. <laughs> I mean, hey, I would have watched, yeah, Gene Wilder oh, would have been, been a better dope. front man, probably, in my opinion. Have you seen Gene Wilder spit a rhyme, though? Sorry. Uh, just, I, I feel like he doesn't have the flow. Not that Run DMC has great flow, but... Oh, well, yeah. I was thinking about Aerosmith, not Run DMC. That's fair. Run DMC. Uh, oh, they flow. Aerosmith flows like the seagulls of Capistrano or whatever. They're in. Anyway. Uh, but what I liked about this movie is that it's it's not as funny, but it's better than like... I was never a huge fan of like the Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein and like the oh, way that horror so and comedy... Like, I, but I, like, I just was not ever, like, it was kind of like in Scooby-Doo, you'd have, like, Batman and Robin show up as yeah, guest stars. It yeah. just, mm-hmm. it seemed like to take the, like, no, it's, the fun it's out of it. It's hokey. I don't know. I like, yeah, it's like well, hokey. But, but this Which is a I haven't seen like him in a long time. Faithful, but. like, um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It's like, Abbott and Costello are funny. Also, Frankenstein's popular. Let's put him in, like, one movie. Whereas, like... Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. is an attempt to like make homage to Universal monster movies, to Wales Frankenstein in particular. I mean, it's there's a lot more, for lack of a better term, like artistry here, and, and I think that makes the difference. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like we were talking about the production methods. Like, Abbott and Costello is shot like a comedy. Young Frankenstein yeah. shot like a classic horror movie. All right, oh, yeah. uh, I want to make a quick correction for earlier. Last Picture Show was several years earlier. Um, oh okay but madeline khan was in another black and white bogdanovich movie the year before she was in this black and white brooks movie uh paper moon oh so, oh uh, she was in that yeah she's the uh kind of hooker with the uh african-american servant i've still never seen paper moon i need to really bad it fucking rules so hard it's it's like sweet, but not treacly. Like it's very jaded and cynical. God, it fucking <laughs> rules. Like Ryan O'Neill is a Bible salesman who sells Bibles to widows by going to their houses and being like, hey, like he looks in the obituaries and then he'll go to houses and be like, hey, is Marty home? 
And then they'll be like, no, Marty died. And he's like, ah, shucks. He had me make this Bible for him. <laughs> um, oh, my uh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's it fucking rules. And, uh, that is not the movie he, I thought it was. No. Yeah. He sees – it starts with him seeing that there's a funeral for this uh, woman that he slept around with uh, years before. And there's just a girl there that he kind of – he's like, all right, I'll take you to your aunt. And they go like running cons together and it's great casting because it's Ryan O'Neill's actual daughter and she fucking well, yeah, kills it. Tatum O'Neill, right? Yeah. And she was like nine and she's just so she's fucking She's like good. smoking cigarettes and shit. Dude, that movie is so cool. Uh, it's just like, you ever see movies about con men where you're like, man, being a con man seems like it'd be kind of rad. Oh, dude, just going I, around. I have a soft man. spot for the like the scallywag trope. Like that's that's my jam mm-hmm. right there uh, all day. <laughs> dude, you gotta see Paper Moon. I'll walk, it I fucking am add to list like right now. <laughs> all right, uh, so Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Um, were there any uh, jokes that stood out to you, or any any? Because like, just like you were saying, it's it's not like a joke a minute, like Blazing Saddles. And it doesn't necessarily like it's definitely outlandish. Like Kenneth Mars comes back as a uh, Kemp, yeah, <laughs> which leads to like a he's he's like the he's like a World uh, War One vet with a bunch of like fake uh, yeah. Like, what limbs. was the deal with that? I, well, so he, he had like an imperial uniform on. So I'm guessing like post World yeah. War One, pre World War Two. But he was like a robot or well, did his arm just not work? No, it was like, it was the, like, it was yeah prosthetics exactly because like. It, like I mean, he it pulls out at the end, like it's got like, a little true. peg yeah. in it. But I think the intent is to be like, yeah, he was severely injured in like fighting in the war, the Great War. Which they, I picked up on that, but I was also like, I couldn't tell if it was playing into like some of the like other horror movies of the time where they did do other prosthetics besides mm-hmm. wood, because like when they're using him as a battering ram. I was like, <laughs> what's exactly going on there? That was but really funny, though. <laughs> I fucking, uh, my favorite scene in the movie might be the dart scene. Uh, <laughs> just like the different levels of it where Gene Wilder's really good. And then he has this back turn and Mars just puts all five on and it makes the thing <laughs> Makes noise. a noise, yeah. And he like and then over there. throws Wilder <laughs> off his game. And so when we cut to the next scene... We see the darts out the window, like one's in the other cop's helmet. There's three in her tire. Like, yeah, I don't know that that was a good scene. Which that that has uh the that has uh Mel Brooks's cameo as the cat. He makes the cat sound when Mel Brooks like throws the dart backwards or whatever, and there's mm-hmm. a cat that shrieks. That was Mel Brooks. I honestly, I think my favorite joke is is the their wolf, their castle, like. <laughs> Werewolf. Werewolf? There. What? Werewolf. There. Castle. Why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. Suit yourself. I'm easy. (laughs) It's right away, but it it is so, so funny. Suit yourself. I'm easy. Right. (laughs) Well, I would have to say, Igor steals the whole movie for me, like... Uh, he Marty feels like Feldman. he's in a fucking Monty Python movie. It's and it rules. It, like it, my favorite scene is Madeline Kahn's character shows up and she's wearing this white fox like 
uh, fur yeah. thing or whatever. And not only are you dealing with the fact that like he's totally in her fucking space the entire time, he just and she's like inter- tries to seduce her. Like, yeah. Well, he's like, you need help with your luggage, or he was like, you know, telling uh, Frankenstein like, hey, if you need help with one of these, to bag them or whatever. Like that was the context. But he bites. He like makes this growling and bites Madeline Kahn's fox like the in uh, like a rabid dog. Uh, Igor, would you give me a hand with the bags? Certainly. You take the blonde and I'll take the one in the Taven. Oh. <laughs> Stop that. I'm talking about the luggage. Yes, master. And uh, there's a bloopers or like an outtakes reel on the Blu-ray and it is the funniest fucking thing. Like you see all the takes of him doing it and apparently the like set was in stitches because it's just it's ridiculous and there in madeline khan is so brilliant too because she would keep a straight face up till the moment where she got the clear that okay the you know cut and then she would break like she yeah. is an expert because uh gene wilder was uh infamous for this movie like he would always crack up laughing he he they they ruined so many takes because he was having the most fun which i think is also adorable because he was one of the writers he clearly mm-hmm. loves this material that the idea that uh he was cracking up so much was really interesting which includes also the uh chloris leachman as a uh, uh blue blue uh blue ch- blue care uh fuck i can't frow blue plow blood whatever uh, uh it always makes but, the horse's neck uh whatever it yeah. is yeah which apparently it's it it means because it's similar to glue it could be interpreted that way oh and that's why the horses are like (laughs) (laughs) i just i always interpret it as like it's just a random thing like it's so it doesn't mean anything and that's what's funny about it if that makes sense like that's how i always thought about it until Mm -hmm. blucher and i was like oh it's close to glue maybe that uh but I love the like. You want a glass of brandy? No, that's okay. Warm milk? No. And Ovaltine? Like that was ad libbed, and apparently Gene Wilder was cracking up so much that like it's like it's little parts like that that made me fall in love with her even more in this uh, movie too, because she's one of like the attendants uh, who like had a an affair with his grandfather or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, randomly enough, Leachman was nominated for a Golden Globe uh, for this movie specifically as Best Lead, and in the same year, Madeline Kahn was Best Supporting nomination. Interesting. Isn't that weird? The, the Golden Globes like, are the most corrupt fucking hey. organization. Like, no, like there was a story about it about a month ago about how it's like seventy-five people and they always get paid off with shit, and there's. They never give it to the right movie because oh, Rami Malek was great as Freddie Mercury. Come on, and that's the Oscars. Anyone? Okay, well, the Oscars different sides of the same. Well, no, what is it? The MPAA that has like a Jesuit priest on the board. That's the MPAA. Yeah, the Oscars are filmmakers. The Golden Globes are foreign writers, and it's basically just been bribes the whole time. Like, I mean, so but award shows are bunk anyway. Like. Yeah, I mean, there was, the day we record this, there's an image from Rotten Tomatoes or one of those going around of the best actor winners of the 2010s, and 
two of those are movies that maybe people still watch, which is Lincoln and Manchester by the Sea. Like, when's the last time anyone watched mm. The Artist or fucking Bohemian Rhapsody or... Dude, I saw The Artist in theaters. Uh, yeah, but have you seen it since? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the sorry... It's the sorry to bother you thing, where it's like, okay, sorry to bother you is the best fucking movie of whenever that well, came out. And let's out, be like, real about like and no second one... best. What was the first best? Fucking first reform, dude. Oh, like... first. Okay, well, break my heart in one and and fill me up with the other one. But, <laughs> yeah, but dude, that's I mean, all I'm saying about it was like, not Green Book. Like, like <laughs> Lincoln that, though no. is like Daniel Day Lewis. Like Daniel Day Lewis does a movie, and they pretty much give him like at least a n- nomination. Like, well, because he's good. Yeah, I agree. It just boring though no but i'm yeah. not saying lincoln's a good movie but daniel day lewis is a great actor <laughs> no, no sure and i mean part of it too is if you win an award for a movie in this work that ups your star power and ups your ability to get paid more and have better yeah. uh you know projects that you can go after and that increases like your mm-hmm. uh your worth to hollywood sure. and i think that's the shitty part of awards because really like you know, you could say that so-and-so, the King's speech was great or whatever, but there's so many other political reasons for movies winning, and it's not necessarily, like, that's what made... Uh, yeah, the King's speech uh, was maybe the third best movie that year. At yeah. best. Like, I don't think that's a good movie, but of the kind of movies that Oscars would nominate, it's not even the best of those. Well, But, but that's what made Parasite winning such a weird anomaly, because I was like, oh, this is this is weird that the best movie of the year that well that I felt was one of like the best things ever. Won. I mean, every once in a while they do that. Like they gave the best uh, animated film to Spirited Away in like 05 or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. but usually it's like it's in a category that's kind of marginal though because like uh, Bong Joon Ho winning for like best foreign movie is significant and then it will help him out. No. With- they won best picture it won best, oh, picture, won best picture which i mean oh, yeah. which is significant yeah too. i it didn't was, know that okay. it had never happened that makes a lot uh, more yeah. sense why everyone was so angry about it yeah it i mean was... it's, it's dumb to be angry about it but it makes more sense now especially when like trump was tweeting about it and shit yeah i've got to was... read subtitles <laughs> what korea um, i didn't agree to this but i wanted to go see a movie i still haven't seen parasite <laughs> either i need to it's like Bong's fifth best movie, honestly. But all of them, that, that's the thing, is he makes, all of his movies are great. It's one of those, like, I, no I matter what. I couldn't get into The Host, um, man. You're fucking which one? crazy. The Host? Yeah, I that couldn't is get into shocking The Host. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, like, that's one that I would figure is tailor-made for you, dude. I, I know, and it's I mean, weird. That, Maybe I should revisit it, because, like... Hey, Terry, no, I mean, Terry, do you eat a lot of spicy food? I... Okay, this could go one of I three guess, ways. Like off and on. <laughs> well, because spicy food can like destroy your sense of taste. Oh, oh. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, you sorry. Think you're real funny, hey, hey Terry. I Terry, do. are you Terry? Are you wearing a hat or a hard hat or anything? Because. <laughs> Paco just dropped something major on your dog. <laughs> I hate myself. I cracked my skull. It's, 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 the blood is dripping into my eyes. Maybe I'll rewatch the host, you fucking assholes. No, yeah. no. No, I mean, it's just, that's that's just interesting. I watched, I watched Okja, and that movie sucked. Dude, Okja fucking that rules. Movie. That's the, Dude, oh, this, is, this is... It's Pig Schindler's List. Like... Yeah, and, and that says enough right there. That says enough right there. 
Dude, it fucking rules. And I Jake Gyllenhaal is... as like the evil guy, like oh my god. Oh, he's great. Just chewing the scenery. Like I'll give him I... that. He's chewing the scenery, but he's insufferable every time he's on screen. Oh, he's great. I love a movie where I'm like, I can legitimately say I've never seen anything like that before. Totally. Because yeah, pick Schindler's List. Like, if you, if, like, who <laughs> greenlit that? They're like, it's like Schindler's List, but with, like, weird pig monsters. And they're like, yeah, dude, dude give him some money. <laughs> I was listening to a, uh interview with him uh, for the Director's Guild of America, and he talked about how the reason he wanted to make that is because he's like, I think he might be a vegan. He's a longtime animal rights guy. Yeah. And he was like, it all started because my dad got a job in the city. And uh, in Korea in the 70s, we didn't really think about animals. So we just left my dog behind and it broke my heart. And I was like, that's so fucking devastating that I get making a movie about like a little kid and their pet. And then having that pet. Yeah. God. That revolution. I don't know. I will probably never watch that movie again because it bummed me out so much, but it I'm just saying like there's a big difference me. in my opinion between like mother memories of murder and like Oja. Oh, yeah. Like Well, that's what makes him such a compelling filmmaker. Is you throw Snowpiercer in there and Parasite and you're like Fair he enough. he's a pretty interesting filmmaker. Like that's I think what he's I kind of the respect third about him. best of the Korean New Wave. Uh, but I feel like it's frustrating that he gets the most attention when fucking Park Chan-wook is right there. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, did you guys, have you guys ever read The Sympathizer or heard of it? No. Uh, it's a book, it's a novel I read a few years ago about a uh, Viet Cong guy who comes to America posing as like a refugee to be a spy. And then he ends up being a producer on what's Apocalypse Now, but he can't say Apocalypse Now in the book for rights. Um, It's a very complex and interesting book, but uh, Park Chan-wook is making it for um, one of those prestige TV channels. See, I mean, like, Wook's films, though, like, I, yeah, even the ones that are kind of, like, cheesier, like JSA, are still fucking great movies. JSA is like the best tearjerker of my life. Like that movie, really? it's a devastating. Such a me. fucking good film. Have you seen it, Jay? I haven't. I haven't seen it. Oh no. man, it dude! I'm just. I always film. perk up when Paco says tearjerker because I just. I can't imagine you crying at any. Movie JSA is a really sad movie. Stoic. It's a really sad. JSA movie. is both one of the best dudes rock movies ever, and yeah. it's one of the most devastating movies because it's like, what if you're best buds are also your worst enemies yeah exactly uh, it's, it's a really simple film but it tells like such a is it joint joint security agency yeah yeah or? joint security area yeah yeah like the uh, like border guards between north and south korea who become like really good oh. friends yeah it's a fantastic Shit, dude, i film. didn't know that's what that movie was about yeah it's all. like it looked and, like and it was uh, shot for like no money 18 it was yeah like, it, it was an incredible film for like the the what they were doing damn Dude, I'll have to check that and out. then he makes like a Hitchcock movie with Nicole Kidman and yeah, Stoker. That, Stoker. Stoker fucking owns. I still haven't seen Stoker uh, either. Well, like uh, Thirst is great. Like Thirst is I love Thirst. more interesting. Unapologetically, like, like love Thirst. Yeah, it's yeah. The only movie great. of his I haven't really enjoyed was The Handmaiden, which I need to give another chance. I haven't seen that because mm. that movie might have just been too horny for me because uh <laughs> no such thing <laughs> it's about 
like that movie is just so fucking horny and it it's just like some korean movies my tv is right by my window dude like what well, you think your neighbors are like oh there's a sex pest on like the fourth floor no dude there's just it's like non-stop titties and pussy like <laughs> yeah i watched like blood sucking freaks like a couple like a year ago and i had to close my curtains because it was like all of my neighbors are gonna see this really off-putting movie that yeah. doesn't look like it's a movie someone should be watching which i mean is you know not, they're not wrong they're not wrong yeah <laughs> but like no the handmaiden seems good but it's like its original title was fingersmith which when i oh, combine no. that with huh. about how horny it is, should give you. No, I was gonna say this is getting steamy. We, we may steamy. have to put we a go back to Young Frankenstein. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can, can we take a five minute break real quick? <laughs> 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 I have to go pee really quick. Mm. I leave my like Bluetooth headphones on. It's like the Ace Ventura. Like oh mama, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ah, man! Yeah, thanks for listening. To this it week, would fucking yeah. rule if Mel Brooks made like a Korean, like new Korean cinema parody. <laughs> that would be a weird genre to parody. I mean, so is fucking thirties Universal monster movies. But, but it makes more sense to parody a monster film than it does to do like the Korean New Wave, though. <laughs> True. Like sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I found a lot of comedy. Yeah, dude, <laughs> dude. I had to stop watching Korean movies for a minute after watching Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. That movie wrecked me. That movie Beautiful is a bomber. Fucking, it just yeah. destroys you. Holy shit, dude! But that's what I love. I, like I, I love. There's, there's something super magical. I, I think that's what's so interesting about Parasite. Going back to like it winning all of these awards is like you're introducing people to the concept that it's not um, America doesn't just make the only movies in the world, and that's cool yeah. that you like Transformers or whatever the fuck. But the idea that like people can put aside whatever you know, uh, barriers they have of themselves for movies where you have to read subtitles or actually like, uh, you know, invest some attention into things. You're really missing out on the experience of the entire world. Well, and if you're watching, I I would say new Korean cinema is up there with it's new Hollywood. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. It's like the great film industry outside. Like there are so many gems, so many incredible films. That criterion, uh, thing they did where they highlighted the new korean cinema i found Mm. one i'd never heard of called foul king i think it's called uh which is like a boxing movie and it's just like it's a new korean movie so of course it has to be like completely emotionally devastating uh but it was fucking good yeah Mm. see but that's the thing Uh, there's so many like like uh what was it nowhere to run which is like mm. a, it's like a punk rock noir movie. I still need to see that one. It, I think that one might still be on there. Or Nowhere to Hide, excuse me. Nowhere to Run is a Van Damme movie. Yeah, I was going to say that. Dude, you know what? That's a great double feature. Nowhere to uh-huh. Run, baby. Dude. Nowhere to Hide. <laughs> Dude, you do it with The Warriors, you got a great triple feature. I've never seen yeah, The Warriors yeah. either. God, so many movies I need to watch. Oh, dude, fuck yeah. What the f- Fuck, yeah, the Warriors is dope, dude. <laughs> like, I don't. I feel like you would love the Warriors, but it's also one of those where I feel like once you're not sixteen, 
if you watch the Warriors for the first time, it's not as cool. Well, it's like aged yeah. pretty poorly, right? Like it was like a low budget movie when it came out. It's a low budget movie. I think it's probably fairly problematic. I haven't gone back to it in the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically it's one of those Greek tales that's not the Odyssey, so I don't know the name of it. <laughs> um, but it's Dilly. like there's only so many. it's not that one either. Uh but it's another tale of like a Greek band that gets isolated. Like they go for this peace treaty that ends up getting fucked up. And so they have to walk like 3000 miles through enemy territory to get home. Uh, oh, that's, and, uh, yeah, actually I, I, I should know this. This sounds really familiar. That, that but, story. But they update it for, they have to get back to like Coney Island. And so they have to go all across New York city. Uh, and like every gang in town is after him, right? And yeah. it's fucking rad. Like yeah. again, haven't seen it in a few years, so don't cancel me if there's problematic shit I don't remember. <laughs> you cancel, like, cancel. <laughs> I, I, the, the good guys are not really good guys. Like they're fucking scumbag gangsters, and so they do shitty stuff. And I feel like that's where I'd be most likely to get canceled. But there's, like, yeah. a clown gang, and there's a gang of, like, lesbians. Okay, that might be the part that's most canceled. I mean, that sounds pretty uh, cool, though, still. Like, yeah. I mean, don't, it fucking don't cancel rules. me, but it sounds badass. <laughs> it, it fucking owns. Like, having not been able to experience 70s New York, I just picture it was a combination of the Warriors and Taxi Driver. Just, like... Mm. Non-stop I think, hell basket case. I think of escape. From I think a basket case. Those like are both eighties. Oh, yeah. Oh, seventies. You're right. Well, it's close enough. Damn it. All right, so Young Frankenstein. <laughs> 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 it's a good segue, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Solid. I'm proud of it. Young <laughs> oh, Frankenstein. Yeah, I think I saw this before I saw actual Frankenstein, and I just remember really enjoying this because it was, like, kind of lighthearted and silly, like the Gene Wilder introduction of him, like, you know, my grandfather's work is doo-doo, and then stabbing himself in the leg. That is funny. And then not, it, it, like, there, but it, it's definitely, all of the humor is subtle, and to some extent it's kind of, like, not hit and miss, but it, it's not consistent. Like you can kind of tell the sensibilities of Gene Wilder versus Mel Brooks, and it's it's kind of all over the place in some regards. But I kind of like that, and especially like the second half of the movie is sort of like Encino Man, the the Poly Shore movie <laughs> no, with Brendan I Fraser know what you're as the uh, about. yeah yeah the caveman. He he's he's the caveman that is like Sean Astin is making a pool, or, or they're living in suburban you know northern or. Uh, in Southern California in uh, Encino and uh, they find like a, a caveman in ice that's buried in the backyard and so they like want to make a bunch of money and take pictures of yep. him and stuff like that and they end up thawing him and then Brendan Fraser is wa- running around and and that was literally the second half of Young Frankenstein for me where it was like Peter Boyle running around and then it leads up to like putting on the Ritz which that, is like dude, that scene one of is the more... hysterical. <laughs> it's just because it's it's using that the the idea of like almost like King Kong, where it's like okay, I need to show all of these colleagues and learned figures my work, and it's just an, an elaborate dance number with 
you know, putting on the Ritz, you know, the 1930s, uh, you know, racist song or quasi. I, I think it's. It's from the uh, 30s. Was, it's probably. Yeah, the I was probably really confused. Yeah. There's probably something problematic. Like, yeah. like, that's probably the most well known part of this, other than, like, the It's Alive scene with Gene Wilder. Because, like, I remember, like, you know, it's them doing the dance routine and Peter Boyle as the monsters, you know, doing the. Yeah. You know, which is just hysterical. So, so I mean, funny. like, I, I, I kind of dig the antics of that, and then you get into like psychic swapping of my. Or well, it's the, not the just psychic; swapping. it's also physical because it's also dick. Yeah, yeah Gene Wilder's got a big old schwanz after that. It is interessante. It's a very interesting, interesting psychic movie, swapping but... of of like intelligence and dicks. Like, oh my god, this movie. How'd you guys feel about the uh, Gene Hackman scene? I loved it. I thought it was funny. It was weird, but it was funny. Yeah, it like totally comes out of left field because it's really like you don't have to include that. I I, I feel like it's like a a cameo. I feel like I feel like that's part of the whale movie. Is yeah, there's lives with a blind guy after he kills the girl. Uh, Well, that's also in the book too. That well, it sounds right. He he doesn't like live with the blind guy insofar as like uh, like after he kills the the like nephew or whatever I think, uh, mm. but like he meets a blind man and like he teaches him stuff. Yeah, yeah. like the monster. Yeah, things. but it's just it's it's so interesting because like this is prime Gene Hackman. This is like after uh, French, know, French Connection. Connection. Yeah. yeah, I mean th- this is, it, is like is it before he's... or during the time when Superman came out. This is before. It was before. before. Superman came out. Like, I think Superman 75? was 78. Oh, 78? The first one? It was like, oh, yeah. It was yeah. Okay. And then, well, I think this was also before, uh, what's the other one? Um, French Connection 2? Oh, the, <laughs> well, that for sure. <laughs> but The Conversation too, which is uh, one of my favorite Actually, that's, that's, like, that's the same year as this. I've never seen same year? that movie like, either, man. Dude. Well, oh, dude, it's it's. It Francis might be Coppola's yeah. best movie. And yeah. that and The Godfather came out the same year, oh, which is wow. fucking insane. Like, he's one of the only directors I believe to be, again, Oscars are bullshit. I believe to be uh, nominated for multiple movies in the same year. And it's because both The Conversation and The fucking Godfather are incredible. But I don't know. The, something about the the blind guy scene kind of struck me the wrong way. How so? Because it's mm-hmm. like... A lot of easy jokes kind of punching down at, like, blind people. Like, it's all about, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it felt no, like mean, he, he lights the joke is fire. always yeah, like yeah, that the dude's blind. Like, well, there's but not that's any his other defining characteristic. There. It's not that he's, like, lonely or old. It's that he's blind. Yeah, but... Well, like, well he is, like, praying, going, like, I'm so lonely, and then there's a knock at the door or whatever. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> I, but but I also think that it's it's working in tandem with the fact that the monster is kind of a baby who's like so malleable, like they're he's trying to figure himself out and having. But this, he keeps. I don't know. The blind guy pours soup on his dick twice on a, and then lights his yeah. finger on fire. <laughs> but, then, but then, like when I was a kid, I always thought like, oh, maybe he's not blind, and then I'm like, oh, that's also kind of problematic. Of like, I don't know. It's. Like, I always just, it's a strange scene. And then, you know, the end was uh, ad lib, the like, hey, where are you going? Let's make espresso. What's he say? Make espresso. Yeah. Yeah. Wait! Where are you going? 
I was going to make espresso. Uh, so, I mean, I could totally see that. And of the period, there are definitely, you know, uh, some insensitive uh, pieces of humor. Oh, yeah. I, I could totally see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the whole, like, that was the only part. There weren't any parts that were as outrageous as Mel Brooks and or yeah mel brooks in brownface as a native american uh in this one which which is also uh, coincidentally on the cover or that was on the what the original poster by john alvin i think he also did blazing saddles and this one um but blazing saddles the original poster has him as the you know yeah. uh, oh, God. it wasn't uh, really problematic character. to do that back then yeah but i think it's interesting as this is the oldest filmography we've done as sort of examining as we go along how things have changed particularly with comedy because like comedy is all about pushing boundaries and that's kind of what makes it funny well but like doing doing like makeup to make yourself look like a different race is not really like pushing the boundaries they've been doing that for a long time by the time brooks came around yeah that's true but that's that's one of the 20s that's one of the parts that aged the worst. Uh, well, no, but obviously. that's what I'm saying. But I'm like, I'm saying that's yeah. not pushing boundaries, though. Yeah, but like, that's one of the only parts of Blazing Saddles that really isn't um, fair. Yeah. Like, like I put, also, putting Cleavon Little in the clan robes is like, yeah, like, yeah. I felt like where Blazing Saddles kind of inspired things from like the Zucker Abrams Zucker movies, like Airplane to. I kind of see a through line from that to even some of the stuff like South Park. This uh, Young Frankenstein feels more like a Simpsons uh, mm. precursor. I don't know if you guys got that, but like... Like the Treehouse of Horror type segment, like something like that? Or? Well, no, just the style of comedy where it's less interested. Like jokes are important, but storytelling is forefront. And you work the jokes in in ways like in the production design. Like what really made me think of it is in the brain place. Mm. There's a sign on the door <laughs> where like, please drop all brains after five in the brain slot, yeah. uh, which is just like a total <laughs> Simpsons throwaway. Gag. Yeah, um, oh, totally. So I think there's a little of that. I don't know. It's it's interesting because we see so much of we grew up with only comedy that are come after this so it's harder to put it in the same reference point than most of the filmmakers we've covered well, but thus like far. the mel brooks is the king of like visual gags too though and i feel like the like yeah you you can't have the simpsons without someone like brooks mm-hmm. well also just like the uh sitcom type segments not sitcom like well, literal situational comedy, like when they're stealing the dead body and then the Bobby cop shows yeah. up. And he's like, he starts picking at his, because one of the the corpse's hands is exposed yeah. and he acts like it's his own, like in this whose line is it anyway gag or whatever. But he's like picking at his fingers as if he's like, you know, talking and shaking hands. It's like, mm-hmm. it's hysterical. And then there's also like uh, when the the monster starts choking him. And he's doing the charades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that scene sedative. lasts so long. But it's actually <laughs> one of the like few Brooks jokes where it goes on for a long time that I think is funny the whole time. Well, like, I feel like the first part is really funny, and then they do it a second time. Yeah. And then it 
it's dropped. And so it typically, like, in the... I don't know if this is the rule of comedy, but usually you do it in threes. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would be one thing if they did it at certain points in the movie or, like, they ended it differently. But it was kind of... There's a lot of jokes that I could tell that... Uh, that I don't know. It, it just... There were some uneven moments, even if... I don't know. I'm sound like I'm nitpicking, well, but, but I mean, it's but definitely that's why I say that hilarious. This oh, it's... more of 12 Chairs than Blazing Saddles. Like... I feel like it's a bit yeah. more earnest approach to the source material, and you get totally. you get a different kind of movie, one that is uh, more faithful, more sensitive, but less funny. Honestly, yeah. is it? I might be the only one who feels this way, but it makes me a little nervous for the next couple because the silent movie I is been... very funny. <laughs> okay, it... yeah, I'm, and also I'm, I'm High Anxiety is my favorite Brooks movie. Oh, wow. I've not seen that one. I'm Ooh, stoked. So I'm stoked funny. for that so one. Funny. I think like, it's yeah. It's interesting because I haven't seen a Brooks movie prior to this since I was in high school. Oh, okay. So this is like I know my favorite Brooks movie at that point was Spaceballs, but I don't mm. know mm. if it will be at the end of this. Yeah, <laughs> um, certain aspects of that movie have an age as well as I would like. Well, that, that's the uh, that, that's the interesting part is that we're kind of getting into. I would say that with this movie is where we get the Mel Brooks that we know and love up to the mid '90s because Blazing Saddle, like when they were shooting this movie, Blazing Saddles hasn't hadn't come out yet, so he really wasn't the household name and wasn't the smash that he was after Blazing Saddles. Well, but I mean, and this movie did it make made almost as much, like, right? It, like, well, it made eighty eight million dollars off of a three million dollar budget, and half of that was domestic. Like, so, like, they made a shitload of money, like, through international sales and things like that. Like, I think there was, like, a Turkish version of this that came out, like, a year after. Uh, or, or, like, there were remakes that came after this. Like, it was popular around the world. Um, but this is this is an interesting uh, era, too, because it's showing, like, uh, Young Frankenstein, Silent Movie, High Anxiety. Those are films that... It, they're inspired by uh, Mel Brooks's love of like those old movies from the thirties, yeah. the silent movie age. High anxiety is really a love letter, I would imagine, to Alfred Hitchcock in in that genre. It is. It's it's very much like his version of Vertigo. Well, so so it's like we're seeing a filmmaker that's it's not the brat pack of filmmakers that were like, oh, they were the first era of filmmakers that were in school that, you know, like Coppola and, you know, mm-hmm. Lucas and blah, blah, blah. Now Mel Brooks is making parodies or movies that were based off of the 1930s and Ford. Like, I think that's interesting. Or like, you know, silent era movies. Well, He's exploring. Uh, but then he shifts from that to... And we'll get there, but like Spaceballs is obviously riffing on yeah. modern movies, and so's Robin Hood. Robin which Hood is a bit rem- too modern, in my opinion. I remember yeah. loving that one, but I haven't seen it since third grade, maybe. So it's funny, but we'll see parts of it, like the rap sequence. Oh my! God. Oh God, that oh, yeah. that's not going to hold up. And I mean, that's why I think just for the next three movies, or, you know, silent movie, this, and high anxiety are are interesting categories of, mm-hmm. of this, which I haven't seen the next, like, three oh, I'm, movies, I'm excited. so I'm really excited. Silent movie and high anxiety are so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I guess uh, before we close, we should do the acting segment that I always forget the name of. <laughs> uh, Evan, insert your little deal here. 
if you this feel like Jesse it. This is Jesse Ventura. This is brought to you by Old Spice Acting Performance of the Year. Okay, this segment. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate the, the lead-in. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> he, are you accepting Bitcoin or non-fungible tokens? Or you don't like fungus? Hold on. He doesn't like mushrooms. Uh, Jesse Ventura fucking loves mushrooms, dude. What are you talking about? No, I mean, like... but, but fungus, like non-fungible tokens. I think he... Fun, fungus, uh, anyway, he's a fun guy. Um, Goddamn. Saving Do you have a favorite performer or uh, uh, actor in this, Paco? Who, who would you say kind of... I mean, I feel like it's going to be the same for everyone, but Marty Feldman. Uh, yeah, dog. He's just... His line delivery and even just his physical delivery, like everything he does, he's selling to the nth degree. And like I said before... He feels like he's in a different, like, movie almost, like a Monty Python movie. And I love having that more chaotic energy in what's otherwise kind of stayed for a comedy. That's fair. Yeah, he's, I agree, he's my favorite. Like, the the hump gag. Like, (laughs) when he's introduced, he's like... Like, immediately. Oh, like, like, I can, I can fix that for you, like, or whatever. He's like, what hump? And then as the movie's going on, the hump will switch sides. Yeah. Apparently Marty Feldman did that on purpose. And then the they were realizing in dailies that, oh, your hump switched sides. And that was the, the joke that they, they introduced later in the movie. And that, I think that's just genius. It's It adds to the the idea that none of the characters are credible. And mm. I love that. Like, it's it's so fun. It's like a like a haunted house, fun house experience. But what, what do you think, Terry? What, who's your I mean, favorite actor or is it marty Mar- marty steals every scene that he's in but i i have to give like a a kind of uh honorable mention to to peter boyle oh, Be- yeah. because like a- as the monster like you know the monster has a personality but like peter boyle manages to do a lot with a little and i th- and i think that like it's one of the like uh kind of genuinely like laugh out loud funny moments in the film is like him trying to communicate with various grunts and whines and like it's it's funny <laughs> as hell and then at the very end yeah. when he finally can like speak his mind and he's super eloquent like it just it rocks like and, and so yeah any scene that marty's not in like it's it's the monster <laughs> I, I i agree it's really a thankless role too because exactly. he he really has to be the monster to have stakes but also mm-hmm. have the humanity that makes you feel for him as well like i mean it's the same with boris karloff to a certain degree as well of like his performance is kind of magical from the whales the uh, the james whale version but like i think peter boyle does a phenomenal job because he's he's such a physical actor like a like he's a large yeah, he's man huge. <laughs> and he has the delicate nature of having this like ability to have fun with the character but still maintain that he never really got to play his physicality in that way in the other stuff Mm. i've seen him in like wizard in taxi driver (laughs) he's just like a dude sitting down and like the dad and everybody loves raymond he's just a dude sitting down most of the time but uh he fucking is so great in this movie and 
God, he's also in maybe my favorite X Files. I was episode just gonna ever. say that uh, episode rocks. Fuck yeah, dude! dude. That's the one where he predicts how numbers? like weird Mulder's death is gonna be, like some weird like, yeah autoerotic association. Yeah, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that was like twenty five years ago. You're like Duchovny was a weirdo even back then. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess. Uh, Catch us next week when we are talking silent movie. Until then, uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Holy shit. Uh, my cat just knocked something over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, that is unless you didn't like it, in which case you can go fuck yourself. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take I was going to make espresso.